Welcome to Into the Aether. It's a low-key video game podcast. My name is Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger. Brendan, we're talking Sword and Shield today. We're talking direct. Pokemon Sword and Shield. Yes. We're both laughing because we, like, I don't know why. We both just started recording. We're both laughing already. We haven't said anything about it to each other off the show. I think we're just, like, <laughs> <laughs> like I, th- I think the, the word is giddy, I guess. Yeah. Uh, or, I don't know. It's just, I feel like... I, I said this off the show, and I'll say it again. There was a moment. <laughs> there was a moment where I was watching the direct to catch up, to talk about it with my good friend Brendan, uh-huh. and they said we're really excited to talk to you about Dynamaxing. And I'm like, this feels like they know of our show, and they're just throwing up a softball, like lobbing a softball <laughs> gently in our metaphorical direction, just to like have a field day with. Um, <laughs> Because it is the silliest thing I've ever seen in my life. It's just big Pokemon versus (laughs) big Pokemon. Like, we've gone from... I'm jumping right in. Basically, if you don't know, there's a thing called Dynamaxing where the Pokemon get really big. That's it. That's it. So, Uh this sounds like I'm angry. I love it. Oh, yeah. So... Pokemon Generation 1, it's all about evolution. Like, what are they going to turn into? Uh, and then we did that for a while, and I was like, well, what's, we need something fresh and exciting. Mega evolution. This is a temporary, like, yeah. this is a temporary lapse in space-time where they become, their design gets, like, bad for a second, but they're really powerful. Or if you're, or <laughs> right, if you're they, Kang- they look worse, but are strong. None of them yes. are good, except for Ampharos gets a mullet, which rules, and Kangaskhan's kid jumps out of the pouch for a bit. Those are the two good mega evolutions. <laughs> <laughs> um, then we had Y moves or Z moves, excuse me, Z, Z moves, moves yeah, which yeah. was probably the worst. That was just sort of like, what if we gave Pokemon like limit breaks that were oddly <laughs> animated? Right, um, right, right, right. And then everyone at Game Freak was like, let's get our shit together. What do we want? What's what's good about Pokemon? Everything, but they're too small. <laughs> Pocket monsters, this isn't exciting. These things are tiny. Even Gyarados, the biggest one. Too small, Too small. I throw my Game Boy in the fucking trash because it's too small. (laughs) Make them big, the people yelled. And they said, we got a few syllables for you. Dynamax. Dynamax. The people have been heard. Now the Pokemon are going to be big, baby. I literally, like, there was a moment, I have a bit of a cold, and I was, like, in a lift watching the direct at double speed just to get through it. And there was a moment where I saw Big Grookey, and I was just like, wait, they haven't explained this to me yet? Like, what am I seeing? Why is Grookey so big? Mm-hmm. And here we are. Uh, so thank you, for, talking about thank you for letting me do my monologue. Uh, that was my audition for the part of Big Grookey. <laughs> I, uh, I hope you enjoy what I bring to the table. My headshot and resume are uh, stapled in your direction. Thank you for your time. I am scared of bringing a whale lord to a gym and dynamaxing it. That is yeah. my fear because whale lord is already the size of like the Empire State Building. Too small. If said the I people. dynamax that in in the vicinity of other human beings, <laughs> what? What's the what's the gym leader they revealed? What's his name? Milo. Yes, <laughs> Milo, the noseless. Like yeah. really ripped, like almost Mr. Incredible, but loves hey, bugs Pokemon. Milo. Hey man, what's up? Hey, it's Steven. Uh, I'm the new <laughs> trainer. Oh yeah, great thing. Hey, I'm really excited for today's match. Thanks, Milo. 
look, I'm going to be honest with you. I've got nothing but fire types here, so this thing's going to go over pretty quickly. Two, I'm going to Dynamax a dragon <laughs> <laughs> in your fucking house. So, like, <laughs> maybe don't invite people over. Maybe, our, maybe let's give this a trial run before, like, insurance companies drool over this <laughs> doomsday that's about to happen. Honestly, though, the, the idea that this, they're finally leaning into the idea that, like, in the Pokemon world, people love watching battles and yeah, they're all yeah, televised yeah. and like the gyms are just big ass stadiums right. where people are like filled and stoked to watch i yeah. love that that is yeah like giving me everything i've always wanted just like make the world deeper tell me more about it yeah and this and is we'll and we'll we'll get into that but i think we just like we couldn't wait to dine we couldn't wait to discuss dynamax well that's yeah we that's the laughing. big thing is that not only do these battles happen in gigantic gyms but they're gigantic specifically so you can Dynamax Pokemon in it because just having small ones in the gym wasn't good enough for people. So they were like, make them big first. Yeah, I wonder if that's... I, I mean, I doubt this, but like, I wonder if there's like, at, when we get the game, if that's going to be some kind of commentary where it's like, what else do you want? How much bigger? Can we, how many more Pokemon do you need? And how big do they need to be? Never enough that people yelled. Never enough. <laughs> Pokemon Sword and Shield. 10 out of 10. Really wonderful evolution of the franchise, but more specifically, a striking commentary on us as consumers. <laughs> Every game comes with a free supplement of Dynamax. That's right. <laughs> the whey protein that doesn't get in the way of you getting as big as possible, baby. <laughs> All right. Let's actually talk about this threat because I'm I'm pretty excited. I'm I'm also like extremely stoked on this game. This is going to yeah. be so – it's going to be good. It, it might be good. even be the best. Yeah, I think so. I think so. We've talked a lot about Pokemon on this show. It's kind of like our thing. I feel like uh, like switch indie games and Pokemon. If, if if people were like, you can only talk about like one or two things. That would probably be what we ended up doing. Yeah, because that's our that's what we grew up with, and that's that's what we what we cherish. Pokemon as a series is really interesting to look at because it is the number one selling media franchise in the world. I think. Yeah, uh, we no, talked it, about it, this a while it ago. Literally is yeah. It, it's number like of anything, not just video games. Yeah, Harry uh, Potter, Star Wars, like yeah, they are all under Pokemon in terms of yeah things Which makes being sense when, sold. Yeah, when you think about like, there's a show, there's a card game, there's a, there are video games, there are there's every kind of merch you could possibly imagine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so like, it's just constantly making money. Not to mention that the games alone like sell systems like right i'm pretty sure nine people out of ten who owned a 3ds bought it for pokemon and then the minute they beat pokemon they sold the 3ds which breaks my heart because as we've said 3ds has a good library to give it a chance <laughs> mm -hmm. but i understand your decision uh pokemon is just like it's it's just guaranteed success for nintendo no matter what and because right. of that i think the series really 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 did not change for a long time yeah we've both talked about how fucking rad silver and gold are because you know it all started with red and blue uh or red and green if you go way back because mm -hmm. in japan it was red and green and then like green had like basically like it was like remade and that was blue yep um so it's red and blue in the u.s and then yellow version which was like a fun kind of expansion that was more in line with the show and then silver and gold was the second generation and, and that generation 
added so much. Like it's one, of, I still think it's one of the best examples of like a sequel doing really, really just like both capturing what made the original good, but doing so much more that like you can't even imagine the game not having those features. Like that was the game that made like your inventory, the bag where everything was compartmentalized. Mm-hmm. It added two new types. Uh, it, it added, added the, the day and night cycles. Day and night cycle. Um, you had eggs and breeding. Yeah. And the original continent was in the game. So you like go back later. It's I've, I've we've had this exact list of accomplishments before, but like, I just feel like a lot of people our age stopped at red and blue and right. like silver and gold is, I think you could probably still pick those up if you somehow have a game boy still and you're, <laughs> or I guess an emulator. It's available more. on the 3DS eShop. You can, you can it get is. it on there. It is. I would still recommend experiencing silver and gold. Yeah. Uh, and then there's also uh, Soul Silver and Heart Gold if you want to play like a remake yeah. of those, which are yeah. honestly very good. They are. They are. That that one's fun because they make every Pokemon follow you. Like you, no matter mm-hmm. who's first in your party, they made like a sprite. So I was always followed by Feraligator, who's like, you That's know, great. as we yeah. have discussed, just a big dad. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I digress. So Silver and Gold was like really, really like the first big change. And after Silver and Gold, the next three generations really didn't add too much. Like they're not bad games, but like Ruby Sapphire, Diamond and Pearl and Black and White and Black and White 2 like really rinse wash repeat the same thing there is like a rival who gets progressively less mean as the games went on for some reason there's a team that wants to do something which like i can't get enough of because like team rocket was just the mob like that was pretty clear yeah i mean one of them did say we're a team dedicated to evil which was kind of on the nose but uh you know like (laughs) they were the mob like team the next team was team aqua and magma who i have a special place in my heart for because they wanted to get rid of all water or all land yeah what a what a wild what a strategy yeah first of all like an incredible plan not only that but they had a way to make it work the fact that both of those teams had a way to make that plan work is wild yeah and then you know from there i mean we've we've discussed how ridiculous team flair is uh which is x and y's villain uh and to talk about x and y it wasn't until x and y as we've discussed in i think Pokemon Khaki, or one of our older episodes. X and Y was really the first game in literally over a decade to like actually feel like a new step for the series. Yeah. Because that was the first game that utilized the new hardware to make it feel like an immersive experience. It wasn't just doing the same thing. Like the games before X and Y were consciously choosing to keep in the same, you know, the same style that was done only because of the limitations of Game Boy. Right. So like I get that that kind of becomes the charm of the game after a while, but like they really, it was really stagnant. Yeah. So I, I don't think y, it felt more stagnant than in Black and White and Black and White Two was like. Yeah, I think. All right, you've really stretched this as thin as you possibly can. Yeah. Just just the title Black and White Two kind of gives you the idea of like how like yeah how deep they went doing the same thing yeah you know like yeah short of like monochromatic three there's like nothing like it's there's nothing left <laughs> yeah pokemon zero thank so, god they didn't make pokemon gray because that would be the thing that everybody points at is like all right time to change pokemon <laughs> yeah seriously now that now um, that you've made pokemon gray like please do something so x and y was a step in their direction and sun and moon was also surprisingly fresh like, i i skipped that one initially because i was like eh, i feel like i got what i wanted out of x and y i don't really need this again and mm. i picked i picked oh excuse me ultra sun up oh when we talked about it uh last summer basically 
and I really enjoyed it. Yeah, those games are. But I think awesome. those those games are great. But there was also the sense that like, <clears throat> man, like everyone just really wants like a Pokemon game that's on the main system, you know, because it's always been a Game Boy exclusive, right? And everyone's just wanted like the console Pokemon game where you know it's it's a bit more like full fledged. And we kind of got a taste of that with uh, Let's Go Pikachu and Let's Go Eevee. I think that that game, oddly enough, for being like so rooted in the past, was as we've discussed, like one of the more experimental entries in the series. Yeah. And I think a lot of those experiments paid off. And just like we've often pointed to, Nintendo has a habit of almost doing like a stealth beta of like. Like they'll release mm-hmm. a game like we always talk about uh link between worlds as like the zelda game that was like really atypical of a zelda game but you know kind of in a way that's like safe like it's still rooted in the past is literally a sequel to link to the past yeah and they try to this idea of a non-linear zelda and then you get breath of the wild right so you and i have talked about like is let's go pikachu and eevee that test for a breath of the wild adjacent pokemon game not in the sense of it being on that style, but in the sense of it being like the full new thing. Yes. And I think it is. I think at least in the sense of the world being fully realized and it feeling like a setting that like Pokemon feel real in. Yeah. And you're not just like walking around with numbers in your pocket. Mm-hmm. I think the setting looks unreal. Like the, I, I, I think we were a little bit worried that the Pokemon weren't going to be walking around the environment. It looks like they are. So you're going to see them like in the grass and stuff. I think there's some caveats there, but yes, yeah, it looks like it, that does look like the case. Uh, one, one thing that I find really interesting about the world and at least based on the direct is there are a lot of Pokemon that seem to be designed to live within the world in a really interesting way. So like they talked about Wooloo, which has already become like the internet's favorite Pokemon. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the sheep. Yeah. yeah just uh, Wooloo is everywhere on my Twitter feed right now. But anyway, like Wooloo lives in a specific area, uh, one specific town where they use its wool to make all the clothes that you'll buy everywhere else in the game, um, yeah. which is like great, you know, to design a Pokemon around a specific need in the world and then have that need loop back around and become a mechanic in the game is like, OK, you're really thinking about this very holistically, like what kind yeah. of world are we building here? Um, I think the, I forget the name of the flower one with the long red hair, which was incredible. Yeah, it, it's like, it has like gossip in the name in some way. Yeah, gossip, gossip floor, I think. Yeah, something like that. Um, At least that's how I read it. <clears throat> Yeah, um, but, but uh, could be wrong. that that one has like healing properties and can only live in areas that are like that have very, very clean air and very clean water. So that's going to be like in a very specific area also, which I imagine is not the like industrial revolution factory area that we're going to get to later, which is awesome. So like they're really thinking about this from the whole world. And you start to see in some of the like B-roll shots, Pokemon like really living within the world. We didn't talk about Detective Pikachu that much on this show because you haven't seen it, but my favorite favorite thing about that movie is the way Pokemon are worked into just like the world at large. So like there's this one shot where the, the protagonist is walking down this this street that has a bunch of like street vendors and like food carts all over the place and they all have fire type Pokemon who are, mm. they're using the fire moves to light up like their walks and their grills and stuff to make all the food. And it's like that's the kind of stuff I want to see in the games too and it seems like that's yeah. kind of what they're doing which I am into. I yeah. uh, talk about like the Pokemon that have like a utility in the world outside of just battling. Corviknight stood out to me. The like very, (laughs) 
I saw Corviknight and I literally gasped because it's like, I don't know what it is. I really love like gargoyles and like Mm -hmm. spooky shit that has a friendly vibe. Like that's like my ideal kind of aesthetic. (laughs) Yeah. And Corviknight is like a taxi service. Right. It's a horrific looking raven that like if you saw it in real life, you'd be like, that thing's about to kill me and everyone I know and everyone. And dude, I literally like, I know I do this joke a lot on the show, but like it's a Dark Souls NPC. Like Corviknight is going (laughs) to take you places and whisper like cryptic mutterings about like, you know, like, ah! I hear ravens whisper secrets in the woods. You know, like, <laughs> that's what I want. Like, if Corviknight yeah. doesn't give me cryptic information, I'll be very disappointed. Right, that, that's Corviknight... the trade-off of using the free taxi service in the world is like, yeah. I mean, I I could take a Corviknight home, but like, honestly, I'm just not in the right headspace for that right now. Like, I think I'll just walk. <laughs> hey, Corviknight, how long of a walk is it to the uh, Industrial Revolution? Ah! Three years in time. Though time wasted is time spent, is it not? What? <laughs> three years? Okay. Well. Okay. Three years. I guess I'll I walk. feel like it's not that far. I guess I'll walk. <laughs> I'm trying to think of a way of like, he gets you there faster, but it's like years off your life. Like That's what I was trying to map out in my head. <laughs> there are no shortcuts in life. Yeah. Only cuts. <laughs> uh, I've seen the moon disappear. This <laughs> 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 I love Corviknight. Yeah, Corviknight rules. Corviknight's, like, because uh, I, I, I feel like I usually <laughs> am attracted to, like, I usually fall in love with, like, the Wooloos and Grookies of the world, but Corviknight's, like, really fucking cool. And, like, yeah. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I think I think you're right, though. Like, seeing just the little things of, like, Pokemon having a place in the world, that that's really immersive. Yeah. And the setting, I think, I think the thing that the last three games, and I've talked about this, because... It, it may solely just be familiarity because, like, I know the first, like, red and blue, silver and gold, ruby, sapphire, and diamond and pearl, I think are all based on regions in Japan. Mm-hmm. So it may solely be that I'm not as familiar, but I just felt like the games didn't really have as much fun with the setting initially. Right. Until black and white. Credit credits to was New York City, which is why there was a giant bag of trash Pokemon, which like I was like, this yeah. is like both a big <laughs> insult, but also like I love this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it's true too. Like we love New York, we're from there. There's a lot of garbage. Mm-hmm. X and Y was France, obviously. Right. And that was probably. And I think that, that was probably yeah that lent itself to us loving that game so much. I think. Yeah, and there was kind of like not only did the setting feel like they were having a lot of fun with it with you know with the vibe and the themes of the game but like it bled into the identity of a lot of the pokemon and yeah. like you know you had like the french poodles and you had like mm-hmm. fla bebe the, like, right, yeah. <laughs> the, the flower um yeah. and you know it felt like a new it felt like a new place in this world and i think sun and moon probably had the coolest setting it was the hawaiian inspired setting yeah uh, the aloha region that was great and that like that setting that really informed like the story too yeah totally you know and and how how certain there are certain rituals for certain pokemon like i just really i really enjoyed that this setting look is obviously like very uk almost like fantasy uk though it's not like you know trying to go for any kind of i mean none of them are going for realism Right. But like this feels like full metal alchemist UK versus Yeah, like, oh my god, that's a know. really good touch point. Yeah, yeah. It does it, that is exactly what it feels I mean, like. there's the shot of Golette, the like literally Alphonse Ulrich Pokemon by like a windmill at one yeah. point. It was like <laughs> short of hearing like brother I'm like this is just <laughs> you know <laughs> This is just full metal alchemist, isn't it? Yeah. Equivalent exchange muttered Corviknight. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. <laughs> you cannot bring your mother back, Alphonse. <laughs> 
right, I'm going to stop. <laughs> I'm just trying to get to the town with Wulu. My name's not Alphonse. <laughs> Try and catch me if you dare. You will not contain Dynamax Corviknight. <laughs> uh, yes. So oh, the, there are two things in the direct that I think are very specific wording that I think are going to bum people out that I do want to bring up. Sure. One thing, as you mentioned, seeing wild Pokemon walking around in the world, that definitely is a thing specifically in what they're calling, I think, the wild area or the wildlands or something. Yeah. They, they made a point to be very specific about that. Like there is an area called the wildlands and that is where you're going to see Pokemon walking around in the lakes, flying around in the tall grass, just like hanging out it from the looks of things and i i noticed this doubly when i was rewatching it this morning but it looks like a pretty standard kind of like pokemon overworld outside of that area not that that's a bad thing because they said that the wildlands are going to change every day so like there's going to be new stuff to see and do there every time and if you have corviknight flying you back and forth all the time you can go there and visit it whenever you want you know which i think is great so i'm like i'm excited for that area but i think some people might misinterpret the way that nintendo direct went as this is what the whole game is going to look like instead of just that one zone that they're talking about and it seems like a big place it's not like it's not yeah. small you know so like there's also it's gonna be cool. there's, a, there's a cooperative element that they've added which is yes That's i can see thing. this going wildly either way it's every like there are like weekly raids i guess yeah it's like raids yeah it is straight up dynamax dynamax pokemon so there might be like a there's like a big sneevel in the in the mm-hmm. trailer and then you and four other trainers can try to to fight it right and it's because i think i think the rules of dynamax are that uh you can only be dynamax for three turns and then you return to your normal size um but for the weekly raids they're dynamax the whole fight which is why you got to team up baby right and only one of the people on your team can be dynamax at any given time so like somebody has to choose like i'm gonna be the one that dynamaxes it's gonna be this pokemon specifically i love the idea that they're trying to add like a cooperative element i just don't know if that's going to be enjoyable in any way (laughs) (laughs) well here's the thing that's that's the other thing that they worded very specifically that i wanted to point out which is that it seems like you can play that cooperatively locally with your friends but if you do online mode it's going to match you with random people the same way they're doing it with um super mario maker 2 where like you can't play online with your friends you can only play online with randoms um Uh which is like why why so like you and i can't do a stupid dynamax raid in the wildlands unfortunately together unless Uh, we're in the same i never thought those words would sting as much as they just did but here we are brendan he said i can't do dynamax with yeah yeah that was kind of the the trailer song was interesting too it's kind of fallout boy adjacent there is a literal line in that in that song that goes here's everything you've ever wanted that was an actual (laughs) line in in the song i think that was the moment i saw big grookey and i was like ah man i I, I you nailed so. it. Because yeah. <laughs> I saw, you know, I mean, you were there with me. I saw Grookey and I said, he's too small. I threw my phone at the brick wall and it shattered. Mm-hmm. And then but out then, of the remains, because nothing truly ends, came the ghost of Big Grookey. Yeah, there he is. <laughs> my favorite Sherlock Holmes story. I'm losing my mind. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's just, it's just, it's a very Nintendo decision to be like, okay, people want more online stuff. Let's make it as like, unintuitive possible and have a very specific service that no one wants. <laughs> you can right. fight a big grookey with random people it's like this is i mean hey i'm willing to be proven wrong it could be a lot of fun i just it don't might know be. like yeah 
I think as long as there's still the like battling and trading and all that, I do like the idea that you can at least do it in person. I'll definitely try it out because I have friends who are getting it. My two very good friends here in the city. Yeah. Although two of us are getting Grookey and one is getting Score Bunny. I almost want to go Sobble just to complete the trifecta, mm. but I can't not get Grookey. I yeah. Made, I made up my mind. Same here. You mentioned Sobble in passing before that Sobble has a very unique ability that you <laughs> specifically like yeah. shut the brakes on to talk about on the show and i'm very curious what that is yeah so after the nintendo direct happened the official pokemon twitter account started just like tweeting a bunch of like random facts about the world and and the pokemon in the world so nothing new about the game itself but they just went down some stuff i, I forget the deal with score bunny it's like whenever it's running around it, it's like footprints leave fire on the ground or something like that i don't know but the big thing with sobble was like when Sobble starts crying, it makes everyone around it also start crying. That's like an innate ability that Sobble has, where everyone oh around Sobble just gets sad and starts crying. Oh, that's so sad. Isn't that brutal? I, I called it early on where I'm like, I think Sobble's evolutions are going to get progressively more sad. Or do you think, think it'll be the other way? Ooh. I what hope if, it's the other way. What if it's but a great no mental health journey? Being sad. Yeah, that could be cool. I think, I'm going to call it now, I think Sobble's going to be water psychic in the final form. Mm. I think. I can see that. Score Bunny looks like they're setting him up to be another firefighting, which I hope isn't the case. Because I want Grookey to be grass fighting. That'd yeah. be really neat. But if Score Bunny is firefighting, which I think, I don't know what else they could be, I think Grookey would be grass rock. I think that's what's going to happen. Yeah. I can see that. Just some some type predictions for you from me. <laughs> Write them down. Write them down. I'm. I mean, I also. I. I think I tweeted this, but I think Grookey's evolutions are either going to be incredible or like a complete disaster. It's going to be one <laughs> or the other. He's either going to be the coolest Pokemon ever or like what happened to this one. Well, that's why Everstones exist. Exactly. Grookey forever. You'll never grow old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. <gasps> that sounded like a. Like one of those 90s toy commercials, like Baby Surreal. (laughs) Oh my god, I would buy that though. Anyway, Pokemon Sword and Shield, which one are you going to get? Have you decided yet? Because they showed the legendaries. (laughs) They did. One of them is a dog with a sword in his mouth, and the other one is a dog that just has like a big shield on his face, (laughs) which I love. Yeah, I'm going sword, man. I I irrationally, just like I, you can't really choose who your starter is, you just end up with them. I felt like sword was the pick. Are you going shield? I'm probably also going to go sword, unfortunately. I haven't met a single person who has decided to go shield, except for one person that I know who was like, I'm going to take one for the team, and I'm going to be the person that gets shield here's the thing it's like literally just like as as simple as possible do you want a dog with a sword in its mouth or do you want a dog with a shield for a face (laughs) (laughs) do you want (laughs) do you want the the dog that clearly knows how to fight or the one that has just been given a shield for a face (laughs) I was saying that uh, only true Pokemon masters can ever figure out how to pet these two dogs who are trying desperately to not be pet. (laughs) (laughs) And it's also like, I think this is kind of part of the course where like, there's always two legendaries that are somehow like opposed and they're usually kind of concepts. So like, there's like life and death and time and space. I wonder if this is going to be war and peace or something, but they're, they fight and then they have like a moment where like, wait, why are we fighting? And then there's like wind or something. So there's usually like the two legendaries that are on the cover of the game. And then there's like a third Mew-esque legendary. That's like the Kubrickian sci-fi, like baby. (laughs) Like that's, (laughs) that's the abstract one. So I'm really curious what that one's going to be. I wonder if it's going to be, um, 
what's that thing from Pokemon Go that they Meltan? Remember oh, Meltan? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Meltan they said was a legendary Pokemon for some reason. That move makes sense too because it's all like industrial. So he's like, I am the blacksmith god Hephaestus. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, we yeah. didn't even talk about the other Pokemon conference that happened. Was it last week or two weeks ago? Did you ever, did you end up watching that one? I did not see that actually. So there are a couple of things that they announced there. Um, one of them is like a free to play mobile game called Pokemon Masters. That seems like a Fire Emblem Heroes <laughs> kind of thing, but with Pokemon, mm-hmm. which I don't know if that'll be good or not. Yeah, that's the thing that's coming this year. The other thing that they announced, and and the way I phrased this to a friend of mine after was, you could have sat me in a room in a chair, put a gun to my head, and said, "You have twenty four hours." as many guesses as you want to guess the thing that they're going to announce at the Pokemon conference. And I never would have guessed a sequel to Pokemon Go called Pokemon Sleep. Yeah. But that's what we're getting. We're getting Pokemon Sleep. They were like, we made a game centered around the idea of getting people to get up and walk around and like get healthy by walking. And now we want to do the same for people getting a good night's sleep and that's that's a thing that's happening no more and details I beyond lo- that but i kind of love that because i think that that's something that we really i mean not to not to like the most brutal of left turns going from talking about big grookie to <laughs> to like the importance of sleep yeah but, you know I, I think like i think a lot of parts of our culture condition us to feel bad taking breaks or rests like we're kind of conditioned to always want and always be working and like it's seen as almost a sign of weakness or like we're conditioned to feel guilt about self-care essentially right but it goes beyond that with sleep where like there's so much data that shows like what damage you're doing to yourself on every level by not getting enough sleep yeah so i think that that's obviously it's not up to pokemon to (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to show us that but i think like having a fun way to like highlight the importance of getting in enough rest is is kind of a cool thing i completely agree i mean i i yeah. don't know if i've said this on this show or it might have been the Terrace house show but either way like it's not surprising that my whole life got better once i started sleeping more than two hours a night you know yeah. like oh wow suddenly i'm a real person again i think that if i had had a game like pokemon sleep at that point in my life i probably would have made that change sooner like i've seen a lot of like yeah. really cynical takes on pokemon sleep like oh what are they going to do next like pokemon sign up for therapy which is like a funny goof but also like at the Dude. same time like there's nothing wrong with gamifying gamifying self help practice you know Any, like anything, anything that can encourage people to yes. like go to therapy cuz i think that's another thing that like Again, I just talked about Big Grookey 30 seconds ago. I'm so sorry to now segue into this very serious and important conversation, but I'm happy to have it because, like, I can't imagine my life without seeing a therapist. Yeah. And, like, it is not a sign of weakness at all. I think think there's a misconception that going to therapy is, like, every day is, like, this kind of negative vent experience. Some of the most fruitful sessions of therapy are, like, just having a conversation and suddenly learning about yourself in moments that seem benign or seem yeah, totally. know, normal. So I think you're absolutely right. I think that anything anything that can encourage therapy would be great. And if it is Pokemon, sign me up. Like, yeah, that's great. I, just, I just mean like Pokemon Go has helped a lot of people. Yeah. And and I, I just remember when that game came out, there was a lot of like dunking on people going out 
and playing Pokemon Go. And like that was a phenomenon at, at the time, like right when it came out that one summer. But at the same time, like it was also one of the coolest gaming experiences I'd ever had in my life. And I definitely walked around way more than I probably ever had oh, yeah. in a summer, like since being in, I don't know, high school or like maybe middle kinda, school just because of that also, game. It was a kind of social thing. Like I. Yes. I would run in, like, I could kind of tell, like, walking around Chicago, like, who was playing. And, like, I remember some fun moments were, like, I used to live right by the Metro, which is a really, it's like an old opera house uh, in Chicago. It's like a, a concert venue. It's a really cool place. I saw some cool bands there, whatever. Uh, so, but it was a gym, more importantly. It was a Pokemon Go gym. It was mm-hmm. right by my apartment. I was Team Valor, and I had a pretty good Lapras that I hatched. That was my favorite thing, was hatching Pokemon in that game. Like Yeah, totally. What was, for some reason, Drowsy was, like, everywhere in Chicago, so people had, like, super powerful hypnos. Yeah. But I had this dope Lapras. I got the gym. I put Lapras up. And then I saw this dude walk by and, like, smirk and put his phone away. And, like, immediately, Team Instinct took my gym. I was like, come on. Wow. It was impossible to hold the gym in in a busy city like that. Yeah. It was just, like, maybe 30 seconds, but, like, uh, it was unreal. Yeah. It was a fun time. It was great. And and I think... Anything like that kind of experience that you can do for sleep and like helping people build healthy sleep habits is awesome. So I'm excited to see what that ends up being like when it comes out. Um, I I hope that it's as good, you know. Will it it be the giant social phenomenon of Pokemon Go? No, because you're not going to be able to physically see people in their houses playing Pokemon Sleep. Right. But at the same time, like I I think I think gamifying that kind of stuff is good. Uh, And I'm, I'm looking forward to it whenever it comes out. Yeah, I'll de- I think I'll definitely check that out. If only just because it's such a that's such a different experience, and yeah. it's also like it's also not taking time away from you, <laughs> which is kind of interesting. Because like, right. that's always the notion of like, oh, I don't have time to experience all the media that exists, and it's like, well, this is just a weird thing that makes a positive incentive kind of fun to do. Right. It's the same thing. I mean, I I go jogging a lot, and I have the Fitbit app, and like. It does silly things where it's like it's like you've walked the distance that like emperor penguins do to like go like in March of the Penguins, <laughs> and like awesome. it just tells you stuff like that. And uh, you know it's like it's not changing. Uh, it's not changing. Uh, I'm not. I'm not going jogging for that app but it just is positive reinforcement for like that i am doing like that i'm making goals for myself and that i'm that i'm doing like it's it's a it's a concrete metric for an ethereal practice of self-care yeah absolutely um, that's my band name <laughs> that's good it's a good band I, name. I say that all the time i'm always making up band names but like i somehow make a lot of good ones yeah the ethereal practice of self-care <laughs> Really good. It's a really solid, um, searchable one. Um, yeah. Anyway, overall, Pokemon Sword and Shield. It looks good. I'm excited for it. It's gonna be great. Really pumped to see what happens to my guy Grookey and yeah, Corviknight. I'm weary of Corviknight, but I'm excited. Corviknight's gonna be on my team, like 100. percent Yeah. Uh, it's it's gonna be fun. Oh, also the the other thing they announced. Sorry, I, I forgot, and I think it's worth mentioning is Pokemon Home, which they didn't really get into too many specifics of, but it is a way for you to transfer all your Pokemon from Pokemon Go, uh, Sword and Shield, all of the 3DS games, and like everything prior to the 3ds game so you can like have them all in one place which is cool and i don't know what that is or what that's going to look like but at least in concept is a good thing that i'm excited about i would love to get pokemon sleep and like start the app and 
catch some Z's, then wake up, and I'm like, oh, my head hurts. And I check the app, and Corviknight's like, you had a nightmare last night. <laughs> like, ah! <laughs> Soon I will evolve. Three more nightmares, and my true form will be complete. Dynamax Corviknight. <laughs> I can't stop. All right, let's let's take a break and uh, talk about what we've been playing. Uh, yeah, I want. Can I talk about a thing during the break? Yes. Sick. Let's I'll let it. it pass this time," said Corviknight, <laughs> flapping his wings at the moon. Fun. Okay. Uh, let's take a break. Every feather I drop is a clue to the secrets of the universe. The moon will disappear in three weeks. Bye, bye, Corviknight. Corviknight, that's enough. Come back. Go, Grookey. Get big. <laughs> <laughs> That the the dynamic shift between Corviknight's aura and Big Grookey is like <laughs> fucking everything I want. Yeah. Okay. Goodbye. Brendan, we are in the break. What do you want? What do oh, you want to talk about? Hello. Wow, that was fast. So we are kind of in the midst of E3. We're recording this on the Sunday of E3. And because of that, there have been some announcements that have already happened. There was like an EA press conference yesterday. I think we're going to cover like the, the main E3 press conferences and stuff in the next episode. And and yeah. just to like, I guess, give you, the listener, a, a game plan for that. We are going to be recording next Sunday. And I'm going to try and edit it and get it out as quickly as possible because that's going to be like our super long E3 recap, like what we did last year, which I'm very much looking forward to. It'll also be our one year anniversary of the show. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. It will. It's very exciting. Um, it'll be kind of surreal because, like, that really was our first. Because it was convenient that we started it with E3 because we had no formula yet. So I was like, well, at least we can just talk about this, I guess. Yeah. That's um, literally how it went. Yeah. And that was actually the first time I had watched, like, all of E3. Wow. Ever? Like, really? So, not ever, but, like, in recent memory. Yeah. Mm. So it'll be interesting now to go into this year. And this year is, I f- feel like, so different. I mean, because Sony's not doing anything and. You know, a lot of a lot of big parties are not going to be there. I'm excited to see Square and Nintendo, which is kind of interesting because like those are just going to be directs, basically. I feel like although Square has a presentation this time, don't they? Um, I think their thing was kind of a was kind of a Nintendo Direct esque thing last year. It was, but I know people are kind of expecting more on the FF7 remake. I'll believe it when I see it, baby. Yeah, more like FF7 Sleep. Um, I can't really talk about the Square Enix one that much, so I'll just let you take the lead for that when it happens. Um, okay. But yeah. Are you letting me, uh, excuse me, Brennan, you're letting me take the lead on a Square-related uh, conversation? <laughs> That's That seems unlike you. Yeah. I just, but yeah, I'm excited. I just found my page of notes from E3 last year. Anyway. Oh, that's awesome. So all that having been said, uh, we'll be talking about E3 a whole lot next week. But before E3 happened, there were two back-to-back announcements that I just kind of want to talk about very quickly. Sure. Um, there was a Google Stadia press conference. They did like their like a pre-E3 like high worst Stadia, and this is what it's going to be all about. And then right after that, there was another one from Bungie about the future of Destiny now that they're not part of Activision anymore. And they weirdly yeah. kind of link into one another, uh, both of those announcements. So very quickly, the Google Stadia thing, we talked a lot about it when it first got announced, but it's a uh, streaming game service by Google. There's no like box that you have to buy. Um, no, no like, you know, PS3 or sorry, PS3, what? PS4 or like Xbox One S hardware that you need to buy. You just have to buy a controller, uh, which will connect to the internet and you can use that controller on any screen that you want. So that is like your laptop, your TV, if you have a Google Chromecast Ultra, your Google Dynamax Ultra, your, Dyn- your Dynamax Grookey, uh, if, if it's holding a screen. Um, <laughs> you can use it on uh, iOS eventually. So like you could use it on your iPhone, you can use it on, I think, Google Pixel at launch if you have the 3 or 3A. But anyway, point being, um, it's, it's kind of like a cool thing. It's, it's untethering you from like needing 
needing to buy a box and a disc to throw in your thing. That said, there are some like real downsides to that. Like, do you actually own the games that you're buying? I don't know about mm-hmm. that. Like the games are still going to cost like $60 probably. And then there's another $10 subscription fee on top of that, which was the new thing that they announced. And then on top of that, if you want to get the thing at launch in November, you have to pay $150 to get a Google Chromecast Ultra and their controller. And I think it also gives you a free like month of, of the Stadia service. So like that's going to be it until some point in 2020. That's the only way you can use Google Stadia. So it's like, okay, I don't know if I need that. And that also kind of like upends the reason why Stadia exists, at least their stated reason for it existing, which is to lower the barrier of entry to get people playing games where like you don't have to buy a $400 console and then also the game for $60. Like you just buy a controller and the game and then you're good. So that's kind of weird. That's a weird thing. But uh, yeah. one of the big things that they announced during this this stream uh, beyond like all a bunch of games that they announced, which are all look wonderful. One of them is Destiny 2, which will be cross save compatible with Xbox One, PS4, which was the big announcement and PC. So if you are playing Destiny 2 anywhere, you can pick up the game and play it on Stadia using your same character and save and everything. So it keeps your oh, character cool. everywhere, which I love as a person who like travels a lot for work and other things as a way for me to like be in a hotel room and then like flip over my laptop and like continue playing Destiny 2 wherever I am without needing to bring my whole ass console with me. Not right. that I've ever done that, but uh, I do know people who do that. And uh, this this I think will will help them in, in a weird way. So that's kind of exciting. And then they also announced in the in the Bungie thing after that, that Destiny 2 is going free to play. They're creating a new version of it called Destiny 2 New Light, which will have everything that they released in the first year of Destiny 2 available for free. And then you basically just have to buy the expansions if you want them. So you can buy Forsaken, which was the big year two expansion. If you want, you also don't have to do that. You can just buy the new year three expansion and then they will automatically bring your light level up to whatever the max is so you can play the game with your friends who've been playing the whole time. So they pretty much just said like, hey, it really sucks when you want to get somebody into Destiny 2 because they have to play for 150 hours to get to the level that you're at. So we're just going to do away with that completely. And now all of your friends can play together immediately as soon as they download the thing, which I think is great. So like those two announcements simultaneously, the like you can get it on Google Stadia, it's cross save everywhere. And then also it's free to play and you can just like get your friends into it immediately. I think are all like really cool. It's like a nice like holistic announcement, which I really appreciate. And anyway, that's all I have to say about Google Stadia. Yeah. Am I going to get it? Probably not because again, it's very expensive at launch. It doesn't make any sense. Um, yeah. it, it defeats the purpose of the thing, but right. I am, I am happy to see it grow and I'm interested to see when people start picking it up if it actually works as advertised because I think that'll yeah. be the thing for me. Right. And I think you are more in, I don't want to speak on your behalf but I feel like you're more interested in the idea of this working than like Google St- uh, Stadia specifically. Like because we've talked about like the Game Pass thing and yes. like is there a feature where you can stream games to make the accessibility like a, a thing that you know you don't have to spend $60 on every game that you can just subscribe to the service and, and yeah. play whatever you want here's the thing there are a lot of people talking about if that's a good thing or not i think like i think regardless of if you think it's a good thing or not it's a thing that's gonna happen like it's it's gonna happen either way and and i think it is definitely worth having the conversation if it's a good thing right like do you own your games do you not own your games what's the deal with that but at the same time like it is also worth talking about the merits of the thing existing um so 
sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's worth exploring and worth experimenting with. I definitely think that lowering the monetary kind of gateway for an entire medium is a good thing. But I think the conversations of ownership are very valid. Yeah. And I, I myself am mixed on it too. Like it's such a new thing. Same. Like, I don't yeah. know. So we'll see. We'll we'll see how it plays out. Yeah. Also worth mentioning, and this is I guess an E3 adjacent announcement, but uh Microsoft's press conference is gonna be today and they announced before the press conference even happened that Xbox Game Pass is now available on PC. So if you have a PC you can pay I think it's only five dollars a month on PC to play oh, wow. everything that's on Game Pass, which is like wild. Yeah. That's insane. It's a lot In of a games. Way. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. But anyway, well, thank you for sharing all that's that. That's the future of game streaming and also Destiny 2, which I'm very excited about. Yeah. Shout out to AJ, our producer on the show, who watched that announcement from Destiny and was like, I'm going to start playing Destiny. And he and I went through the beginning of the game the other day. Shout out to AJ. Yeah. Maybe one day I'll join you there. That's That's been your like long con this whole show is trying to get me to play Destiny 2. I guess, but also I don't really play Destiny 2 that much anymore. So like... Yeah. There was a time and place yeah. where I think that was... But we, we I will play it when the new expansion comes out. Yeah. I'll see. I'll be I'll there. see what's going on. Yeah. I'm busy. <laughs> All right. That was a fun break. I'm busy. Hey, Brendan. Hey, Steven. There's a new indie game on the Switch that's like our fucking jam. I both like objectively and well, like not that just phrase. I feel like we stumble into so often. Yeah. But also this particular game. Uh, you play way more of than I have. I've only played for like an hour, but I'm already into it. Uh, it's called Slay the Spire. Yes. I think it was in early access on PC like earlier this year, like in January. And it just came out on the Switch. Is that correct? I, feel uh, like that's I think it case. came out in like September and November uh, in early access, but it has been in early access until the Switch launch, which I think takes it out of early access. But it came out this year. Yep. came out last, uh, last week on Switch. Yeah. Last week. And it is like... <laughs> someone got brendan's dna and made a game it's a roguelike <laughs> kind of sega genesis-esque vibe with the graphics yeah i feel like yeah dead cellsy it's dead cellsy it's less pixely but it's like that kind it's like of... a painted de- dead cells yeah pseudo spooky is the vibe i'm, I w- I'm branding now mm-hmm. you it's a deck builder so like basically kind of a la ftl there is a map of points and there's like a legend so um you choose which direction to go in it's it's always random so there are parts of the map most of them are like encounters with some kind of monster some are merchants some are like campfires and some are random events that could be almost anything but the main game is you have it's actually someone in the discord made this comparison very much like SteamWorld Quest in the sense that they're both deck builders and you have a certain amount of actions to do on your turn. I think you start with like three. You can attack, you can block, all the cards do different things. Uh, and the enemy broadcasts what they are going to do. So you know like if they're going to attack you for a certain amount of damage. So it gives you everything you need to really respond accordingly other than the luck of the draw of like what you have in your hand. Yeah. What I really like about it that I think is exponentially better than steam world quest is how fast it is mm. uh, and steam world quest is going for a different vibe not to pit the games against each other but you know steam world quest is going for a retro rpg vibe i almost wonder if the card system is like was what they should have done because like you in steam world quest you choose the cards then they act out the moves a la like final fantasy style yeah and then it's the enemy's turn and the, and the matches go on for a while like even though i really like that game it does feel like a bit of a slog sometimes right slay the spire is like so fast and like i love 
I love like if you find out like certain patterns to do that makes sense like it just it feels very exciting and the enemies attack right after you're done so it's not like you choose and then watch and then it's their turn like as you select a card it happens yeah and it's really fun and uh every time you win an encounter you get rewards so you might get a new card you might get some gold and what i really like are the random events where it'll be like there are three spirits like that are yes you know like, this uh, that was then, the thing that i knew as soon as i saw that i was like steven needs to get this game <laughs> as soon so just to just to expound a little bit on what Stephen was mentioning before, but like the map will have uh, like regular encounters that you can choose, uh, and then basically that path that you choose, uh, you're you're climbing the titular spire. Uh, but it'll let you it'll branch off into other things, and that might be another encounter that might be a boss and like a mini boss encounter that might be like a chest that you can just go open up and get something out of a campfire that you can either rest at or upgrade one of your cards at, uh, and then the other one is just a question mark, which might be an encounter, it might be a boss encounter it might be a chest but it also usually will be like a text box that will pop up and like give you a choice um and they are wild and i always choose them even at the expense of my run because they're usually bad they will usually not work out for you but i will always choose them because they are so weird yeah there's one that's like it's like the floorboard above you you hear like creepy laughter and hanging from the floorboard is a donut, a banana, and like a cursed relic coming <laughs> from a string. And you can choose which one you want. And it's like, they're all like sketchy. Like, you know, the, I think the, I chose the donut because it gave you more health. Mm. And that's the other thing too. It's a roguelike. So I don't, I haven't died yet, actually. Um, right. You're on I, your first run still. I'm on my first run and I did, I completed the first map. So it's like now I'm on chapter two and there's like a different end boss. Um, and and that I feel like I played the tutorial basically because like as I went through it, they would stop and be like, "Here are some other things you can do," and like, "Here are yeah. these things." And there are other characters you can play as. Right now, you start as uh, this like masked gentleman who I think sold his soul to a demon to make himself more powerful. Classic. Was that was it, is that the thing? Is that what it, like the flavor text says? I think so. Yeah, at least that's what I I retained, or maybe that's the story I wrote in my head and <laughs> I've, I've thought it happened. So pretty but, much all um, the characters have have their own decks. So that one specifically is like a warrior one who uh, spends a lot of time attacking and putting up shields. That's like kind of the idea, and you're supposed to synergize yeah. between shielding yourself, getting stronger, and attacking. Um, yeah. The second one you unlock is like a rogue who uses a lot of like poison and trap cards, which is cool. Oh, that's cool. And I yeah. have not unlocked the third one yet because I think to get the third one you have to beat the game with the second one um uh, I see. so i also have not played the second character at all they each have their own experience bars and once you fill up the xp bar you unlock new cards for that character so i'm waiting to unlock all the cards for the warrior one before i move on to the to the rogue so one. is that what you retain when you die like you retain yeah it's it's very around. binding of isaac where once you do certain things in binding of isaac you will unlock items that will then be in the item pool for every game uh that you play from that point on I see. uh so gotcha. the same thing with this where like you'll unlock three kinds of cards that you'll always have in the pool from that point on or also relics which i don't think we talked about relics but relics uh will give you like kind of passive bonuses and also like debuffs uh at times uh you can get like really shitty relics but it'll yeah. it'll 
also sometimes unlock different relics that will get added to the pool of relics that you can get or potions that will get added to the pool of potions yeah. you can get. I think I think something like not that I'm like impatient with with the combat, but like I love how fast it is. Like especially for a roguelike and like the variety here, like I love ha- the pacing of combat in this game is so good. Yeah, there's actually a thing in the settings that you can it's like a checkbox that will make it even faster. There's a thing called That's fast awesome. mode, uh, which I yeah. just turned on last night after playing for like hours and hours. It's like I need fast mode now. This is another game that I would recommend in handheld mode. Although tragically, one of my Joy Cons is like broken, so like the oh, no. directions, like I don't know what happened. This I think this happens to a lot of like early Switch models, but when I'm playing in handheld mode. Sometimes it will just move in one direction despite. Oh, yeah. So I might need to change that. You could also like (laughs) I've been doing a thing where I'll I'll play in handheld, but I'll just like play with the pro controller, which is a very bizarre experience. You can Um, also use the touchscreen in handheld mode. Oh, there's that as well. Yeah, it's great. I got options, baby. Yeah. I weirdly do play this game on the TV a lot, but this game has also become my new, like I'm watching a show on TV and also playing this game. Like that's been, that's been my like dream game on the switch. Like I haven't found one that I think works really well for it yet. And this one is absolutely that. Uh, It's It's also the first time I've taken my switch out of the house and like played a game on the train in forever uh, because I just can't stop playing it. All I want to do is be playing Slay the Spire at all times. I want to like cancel everything in my life and just be playing this game. Like quit my job, just stay home, wait until my money runs out, wait until I get evicted, just like keep playing like this fire all the time. I also like game even though like I'm someone who usually plays games with some kind of story or like some kind of narrative i really like games that i can like kind of compartmentalize how long i'm playing them for so i'm like okay i'm just gonna get to the end of this map like yeah, that's gonna be totally. like what i play and i feel i feel good about that and i can move on so i think this game is giving me the same feeling i got from into the breach where i'm like this is a great after work or like commute game. Yeah. That's like always fun to go back to because things are always a little different, but you're also like, you're understanding the game better the more you play it. And it's not like a frustrating experience. Yeah. I, I've only played it for an hour, but I am really into it so far. And I think your, your passion for the game is magnetic. We've sold each other on a lot of stuff. <laughs> Though I feel like I feel a little bit sour about my role as a inadvertent salesman to you because I feel like I've made you buy a lot of things that I don't know if you really liked <laughs> as much. I don't know like, if that's true. Maybe not. I just feel like I'm trying to age you on your quest to find a RPG you like. Yeah, I mean, I've been getting close, but it's also not up to me because I'm not making these games. <laughs> right, it'll <laughs> so, happen eventually. That's the thing. That's yeah. that's what the journey is all about, Stephen. It's like slay the spire. Eventually, we'll make it to the top of the spire. You know, yeah. Eventually, we'll win, and and that'll be a, an extremely rewarding experience. But you have to die a lot along the way to get there. The the game's vibe is actually very Corvinite. Uh, just to do a full circle. <laughs> I feel like all the scenarios are narrated by Corvinite. Yes. Dude, um, I love Corvinite. I know you do. <laughs> <laughs> I've definitely picked up on that. It's been it's, it's a very subtle love, Steven. You haven't really... My friend... I think my friend Eric's Twitter icon is Corvinite, but I didn't realize that, and now I realize like what a good move that is. I just changed mine to a very angry Tom Nook until E3 is over, depending on uh, what kind of announcements we get out of Nintendo. <laughs> I feel like Animal... Not to make everything about Animal Crossing, although I tend to do that, but I feel like uh, Animal Crossing is the one thing that will turn me into like a, a frothing at the mouth, like rage-filled like Mountain Dew gamer, is if they don't <laughs> announce Animal Crossing 
or if they like push it to 2020, like I am usually so like, yeah, yeah, take all the time you need, like make the thing good. But Animal Crossing is like, no, 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 you said 2019, don't take this away from me. Yeah, I I agree. I think I'm not gonna be angry. Like obviously, I know you're using hyperbole here. Oh yeah, um, no, I'm I, just gonna be extremely disappointed. But I'm not gonna. No, be I angry. know. I think. Well, so what are the games that they are, they directly announced they're talking about at E3? Um, Link's Awakening, right. uh, the, the, the remaster, uh, Luigi's Mansion 3, Pokemon Sword and Shield, um, I think also Fire Emblem, if I'm not mistaken. So I'm looking at the... It doesn't look like Fire Emblem is on the list. It says and more. I think I feel like Fire Emblem Fire Emblem's coming out in July. So like Yeah. That's that's soon. Oh, Mario I Maker just, 2 and also um Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3. I want to be the optimist here. I understand your your worry. I think we're going to get another kind of teaser and then a direct soon. Just for Animal that's, Crossing? Yeah, I think so. I can see that. I think cuz I think Nintendo still doesn't treat E3 the way anyone else does. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so like I I think yeah. you know, I feel like uh, uh, Pokemon Sword and Shield is slated for a November release. Um, and I feel like they probably want to give that room to breathe, you know, in terms of hype. So I right. Think I mean, that got its own that... direct specifically for that reason. I think Fire Emblem is going to get its own direct eventually for yeah. that reason. Um, so I imagine they'll talk about Smash. They already said they're announcing a new character. I could see there being two new characters. That's kind of one of my E3 predictions. But anyway. Um... Yeah, Corviknight's definitely a solid pick for Smash Brothers. I agree. <laughs> I, I think one of them is going to be Pokemon. Yes. Okay. Shout out to to Ian who listens to the show and is a friend of ours. Um, but he mentioned like I really think that one of the next uh, DLC characters is going to be one of the new Pokemon, like wh- whoever is like the cool Pokemon. So I, I I could see that it's going to be Corviknight, uh, and then I think the other one's going to be uh, a Dragon Quest character. I think I think yeah I would bet my life on the latter. I'm looking at a picture, Brendan. I know I'm I'm, I'm just all about Corviknight right now, but because I, I had to Google him again because even though I love him, I did forget his name temporarily but i'm looking at a picture someone assembled <laughs> someone assembled all the new pokemon they've announced other than the starters like in a group shot it is one of the funniest things i've looked at because you have <laughs> yes, you have yes, 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 yes. I, I i'm gonna uh, you already know it's Wooloo, which is like, you know, big sheep. And then like a bunch of really goofy looking Pokemon. Like every, even the legendaries look very goofy. Like right. it looks like it looks like the cast of like a Cartoon Network show. And then Corvette, <laughs> <laughs> who is the most like <laughs> he has glowing red eyes. He's made of cursed stone. It's like Javert showed up in an episode of Rugrats. Like, I love <laughs> I love this image so much. Oh my that is God. like, it's it's just, I know I'm a broken record, but it's just the funniest thing to me when something so fucking stoic is in such a like bright game. Oh my God. Corviknight is seven feet tall. Holy. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, don't Dynamax Corviknight. He's already a huge Seven bird. foot three, 165 pounds, flying steel type. Oh my God. I love that. I love Steel type. Oh my! I'm surprised yeah. he's not Dark type because he's clearly haunted. What if? Oh my God! I love how he's the taxi cab too. Yeah, like, that is so. I'm I'm so excited for Corviknight. Oh, anyway, just a quick aside there. What were we even talking yeah. about? Oh, Slay the Spire. <laughs> Slay the Spire. Wow, we uh, really. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Slay the Spire. It's. Uh, I want you to talk more. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, Slay the Spire. <laughs> I think. Honestly, within my first run, so I also, I think, made it to maybe Act 3. I think I died, like, in the beginning of Act 3 on my first run, and I was, like, already 
this is probably going to be one of my games of the year, if not my game of the year. Uh, it has literally everything that I love about roguelikes in there. It is like the best version of a deck building game that you can possibly come up with because everything is so well telegraphed. Everything is so well described. Like you know exactly what buffs and what debuffs are going to happen constantly because all you have to do is hover over a card and a little tooltip will always show up that'll tell you exactly what's going to happen. Do you have like a strength buff or like is the enemy vulnerable to a certain kind of thing you will always see that on the card whenever you highlight it it'll it'll tell you like okay this usually does 16 damage but this time it's gonna do 24 because of this thing so it, it is very clear constantly uh which makes it really easy to learn uh everything about every card and everything about every buff and debuff and potion and relic and things like that so you will constantly be filling your vernacular and your vocabulary with with everything that you need to know to like become successful eventually once you get better at it a thing that i i kind of don't want to spoil for you but I think I might because it's really interesting is when yeah, you go for it when you die for the first time and you go and respawn and start the game again before you start every run from that point forward there's a giant whale with three eyes who is like greetings welcome back and then we'll give you a list of things that you can choose from that are all like trade-offs so it'll be like lose whatever relic you start with because all the different characters start with different relics I think the the warrior one starts with one that gives you six health every time you beat an encounter um but it'll be like lose your relic and gain a random relic which you know could be either incredible or be like wildly terrible for you or like uh, choose to throw away one card and upgrade another one like right at the beginning or like lose 10% of your max health and get X get like 100 gold or something so you always get to choose from this list of like again random buffs and debuffs that'll like make your run completely different next time which I really love yeah I, I think this game is, is amazing those random encounters that happen the like question mark spots are like always yeah, amazing that's, that's my shit like that's i said i rules. always choose them i always choose yeah. them like if there's a path that has a bunch of those i always choose them because they're so weird like i got one that turned me into a vampire which changed my cards completely um where like sudden <laughs> suddenly now i have to like drain blood from my enemies um there's like all these weird trade-offs i it's it's really an incredible game um and it is like one of the most replayable and like i hate to use the word addicting but like one of the most addicting games i've played in a very very long time where like really all i want to do is be playing it yeah it's it's brilliant it's a brilliant game it's so well tuned and well refined and like it knows exactly what it wants to be and is very good at being that thing yeah it's it's yeah it seems like the sense of direction is unreal like uh you know just it is so directly accomplishing what it's trying to do like you just said yeah i'm loving it too i want to spend more time with it uh before i say if it's like my favorite game this year so far but it's definitely up there and i think it's it's kind of a weird intersection of like what we both like yeah i was thinking you know? this game is like our child like it's like <laughs> You mentioned like it was like they took my DNA and made a game like it really is like you took both of our DNAs and then Jurassic <laughs> World did a new horrific <laughs> Velociraptor that was like super smart. <laughs> Corviknight comes by the window so your child is destined for greatness or madness <laughs> and flies away. It's $25 on the eShop. Corviknight's seven feet tall. Incredible. Yeah. What, a, what a majestic creature. Really horrific is. but majestic you know horrific but majestic yeah that's a good brand though yeah oh my god I just, i'd like I to be horrific and majestic i close my eyes and i see that like postcard of corvanite standing with like the, <laughs> again the cast of like 
Rugrats. <laughs> so funny. It's so funny to me. I know, like, I'm gonna, uh, spoilers, I guess, but I'm gonna draw the Game of the Year episode again, and I usually, like, you know, like, including characters from all the games really love. Like, you know who's gonna be front row center in that image now. <laughs> it's a Corviknight with, like, the main character of Slay the Spire writing it. <laughs> it's like our never-ending story, like, cover photo. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. The innocence of youth is a facade decayed by time. Yeah. <laughs> Sekiro like grappling onto the feet. Oof. Oh, I do I do really great. like the image of like a bunch of people trying like James and the Giant Peach trying to hop on Corbin Knight's back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, wait, alright, more to come on that eventually. But yeah. you just planted a very evil seed in my mm. mind. Well, I mean not evil, it's gonna be a cool drawing. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Slay the Spire. It's like 25 bucks. Again, you know, like, that's all subjective, but thankfully it's not like a $60 thing. I think it's yeah. worth it. Definitely good on the Switch. Um, is it on anything else? Is it on PC? Yeah, it's on PC and Mac, I believe. Cool. Cool, yeah. cool, cool. But yeah, it's definitely fun to have handhelds. Yeah, highly recommended. Um, great, like, plane game. I just recommended it to a bunch of people from work who were going out to E3. I was like, if you're bringing your Switch with you, get Slay the Spire. It's, like, perfect for planes. Yeah, it really um, is. I love a <laughs> specific mood. I always, I, I've grown fond. Like, I am always dreading airport visits, but I also am like, I'm just going to be my worst self, I think. I'm just going to like, <laughs> not like in a, in a mean way, just like, I'm just going to play Slay the Spire and like eat like a sandwich from Starbucks. Right. <laughs> like I'm going to buy a sandwich from Starbucks. Yeah, Hell start yeah. drinking at 9 a.m. on the plane, playing Slay the Spire. <laughs> Spinach Federaf from Starbucks. In my like economy minus seat. Like, doesn't have, like, <laughs> yeah. No window and like it's permanently reclined like at an acute angle that you can't solve. <laughs> yep. I hate I, not to make this a commentary on airports, but like I <laughs> tell me I about airline be- food, Stephen. I couldn't believe my eyes. There was I I won't say which airline I flew, but I flew an airline and during the ticket process they were like, "Do you want to skip the line?" It's like 20 bucks. I was like, "No, nah, whatever. I don't want to. Don't nickel and dime me." Yeah. I'm spending enough on the flight. So I get there and imagine like a very open spacious room mm-hmm. and a rectangular room. And let's say you're at the bottom right part of the rectangle and the door you have to go through is directly parallel in front of you. It's right in front of you. Okay. Then imagine like someone took like, what are those things called? Like the separators that make a line? Um, like the, the plastic poles with like the felt tape in between them. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. What is you know, that? I know what you're talking about. I don't know what a name for that would be. Right. It doesn't have a name. The nameless divisions. <laughs> uh, oh my God. <laughs> The nails divisions are set up in a way that make you walk, like you squiggle through this giant rectangle mm-hmm. to get to that point. People yeah. who paid can just walk straight. And it was unreal. I'm like, there didn't need to be a line. You just made one. You made adversity that you're now charging to avoid. Yeah. And But well, what was cathartic, though, is there was a... There was like a meter that was like, how was your time flying this airline? And there was a happy face and a sad face. And like everyone, even people who paid to cut the line, were like slamming the sad (laughs) face. Which I hope that that didn't like, I hope that that negative response didn't like, I I, I hope the appropriate parties received the negative repercussions of that and not just like the people working there. Yeah. But I digress. Don't create adversity and then charge. I was so livid. I was pissed. I could have really used Slay the Spire. These nameless divisions. 
Wait, so weirdly, weirdly on that topic, um, there's this really great game developer named Zach Gage. He makes a lot of really great stuff. I think I've talked about his stuff on this show a bunch. Uh, he makes a lot of iOS games. He made Spell Tower, uh, Really Bad Chess, which is a really good one. Have you ever played that, by the way? I haven't. You might like that. It's, it's a game where uh, every time you play chess, uh, it's chess, but every time the, the pieces are completely random. Um, so it's, it's just like completely bizarre every time you play it. Um, That's really funny. He made a type shift. He worked on ridiculous fishing. Good game developer. Good at his job. Um, but he's also an artist. He does like installation pieces and stuff. Um, and recently did one that was called Transit Meditation, where he took those airport line things uh, and pretty much made like an almost endless maze in the middle of a courtyard. I think in the UK, um, like in the in the middle of this like huge courtyard. And the idea was like you just walk in and you're just on this line that is literally endless with a bunch of people, and it's just like just sit there for as long as you want and you can leave whenever you want and just like think about your life as you're doing it and it, it, it was based on these old churches that used to have mazes under them that like priests and people who worked in the convent would like go in and just walk around them endlessly as like a way to just kind of like ruminate on whatever they wanted to yeah i've heard about that i've heard like people crawling through labyrinths to like atone for shit yeah uh it was it was pretty much like Let's let's build that out of the the lines you would wait in at an airport. Um, I I laughed just out of nerves. I wasn't laughing at that because it's a pretty pretty cool thing to do to each their own. You know. Yeah. Um, that's wild. Uh, yeah. Slay that's the Spire. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Good. Slay the Spire. A good video game. Uh, that Even you can though there's no like no real takes on it, just like a lot of fun. Yeah, that's what's that's weird. Good. Like I even mentioned this to you and a bunch of other people that I talked to when I recommended it was like, don't watch the trailer because the trailer does not do the game justice at all. And I don't think that's like a fault of the developers making the trailer or whoever made the trailer. Um, and I, I am kind of bumping up against the same thing when trying to talk about it on the show. But like, it's a hard game to describe and a really easy game to play. Yeah. It really speaks for itself. That's kind of why. So I have uh, Zoe and Brennan, if you're listening, hello. Uh, two of my really good friends are huge board game fans. Yeah. And like, I think that they would both really love this game because it kind of shares that with board games where like that exact notion of like, once you're actually playing, it's great, but there's no hill harder to climb than being told how to play a board game. <laughs> like it is like no one, like eight people start and three people remain, you know, like it's, it is, yeah. it is, I mean, it's not that bad, but like, it's tough. It's tough to like, envision what the experience is going to be like if you're just seeing it or you don't like know what's happening but yeah actually playing it it's it's night and day it's awesome right yeah it's yeah i honestly maybe maybe my recommendation would be to like go on youtube and find like if there's a let's player you're really into or something who's played it like go watch that like watch a run of the game yeah i think i think seeing the variety of stuff that you can experience is the main appeal for me yeah because i also think the trailer is underwhelming and like it doesn't like the art style is really cool but it doesn't look especially interesting just like watching the trailer yeah but yeah, I'm excited to meet that whale with three eyes. Yeah, big fan. Big fan of that whale. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I keep, slay the anyway, spire. Slay the spire. I think we can wrap up. I think How so, too. You? Let's wrap uh, up. Let's wrap up. I'm really excited for next week uh, about E3, especially yeah. considering E3 is like today. Uh, Microsoft is today, <laughs> and there's going to be, I think, a lot of shit in that press conference. They said they're announcing 14 games, 14 first-party Xbox games. Wow. Um, and I think this is also the year 
just to throw another prediction out, where Xbox becomes less of a device that you own and more of a service that you're subscribed to, at least based on the Game Pass announcement from this morning. I'm, I'm yeah. hoping, fingers crossed, uh, shout out to Kyle, who writes for Zero Counts and also listens to this podcast, but uh, he and I have been talking a lot on Twitter about the idea of Xbox Game Pass coming to Switch at some point. Um, yeah. Really hoping that we hear that. I, th- I think that seems likely based on their, like, recent partnership in a lot of areas yeah um, i think it'll be a very limited selection of games but i could see stuff right. that's very community focused like like sea of thieves for example showing up on Switch. right right yeah that makes sense yeah that'd be cool we'll see, we'll see. i'm excited for squares just because like i don't really know like they there was some announcement that they were like this is gonna be like what they're announcing they foresee like being their best-selling game of this year, which I know is a very E3 thing to say. Because, mm. <laughs> like, E3 is basically people screaming, this is the biggest thing ever! Right. Um, it, yeah, I mean, you're literally just tuning in to watch ads. Like, to, to take the yeah. most cynical approach to E3 possible, it's like you're just watching game developers advertise things. But it, um, it really does feel like a fun, like, weird ritualistic, like, Christmas-esque experience. Of, yeah, like, yeah. These are all the things that I'm going to get to enjoy eventually. Right. So I, I just wonder if we're going to get more on the FF7 remake. Like, I don't really... I'm not going to be disappointed at all if we don't because, like, like it doesn't... Yeah. <laughs> that 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 idea doesn't really truly exist for me. Like, I, I don't I don't really... I don't even really need or want it. Like, I'll definitely yeah. get it. Right. But I don't... Like, I don't... Like, there's enough... <laughs> <laughs> There's like enough shit going on that I don't need that again. But yeah. but you would bet any anything that I would be very excited to play it because yeah. that game means a lot to me. I um, think right, we'll hear about that. We'll hear about the Kingdom Hearts DLC. They just showed off a trailer for that last night, and I imagine we'll, you'll get more information about what that's going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, also, the the, <laughs> the the DLC for Kingdom Hearts. They announced the name for it last night. It's Kingdom Hearts. It? It's called Kingdom Hearts Three Remind. <laughs> Which is like remind me that that game came out and I didn't like it. Oh man, <laughs> it's brutal. Um, Hot take. Anyway, yeah, there's gonna be that. I mean, the big thing, and this is why I can't talk about it, but like their big announcement, and right now the the outside of the LA Convention Center is plastered with a huge ad for it is gonna be the Avengers game. Yeah, um, yeah. Which, like, again, have to close my lips on that, but that's I think gonna be the focus. Um, yeah, and I think and Nintendo is also Monday, if memory serves. Nintendo is Tuesday. Oh, Nintendo's Tuesday. Okay. Yeah. yeah, but Square and Nintendo, I mean, no surprises there. Yeah, I'm hoping uh, to see an Octopath sequel. That would be rad. Uh, that would also be full circle for us yes, in our year it would. anniversary yeah. if there was like Octopath Traveler 2. This yeah. time there's 16 characters. <laughs> <laughs> Duo Octopath. Um, I think, yeah, I mean, they, they said that they are looking to kind of like even more deeply ingrain that partnership between Square and, and Nintendo and make even more Switch exclusive stuff. Um, Ooh, love that. I love so that. I'm excited to see how that materializes. Yeah, I think that I, I like seeing developers do stuff where like they're going to do like the thing that works, but they're also going to have room for experimentation. Yeah. And I think like nothing is more up my alley than like experimental square on the switch yeah that sounds great it's cool yeah hopefully they keep trying new things i think octopath is a great example of something that like succeeded as much as it failed but was a great experience nonetheless yeah Um, totally so uh yeah we'll see what happens we will see um okay Um, maybe we actually should wrap up now yeah let's do it 
Cool. You want to do your thing? Yeah. Hey, thank you so much, everybody who listens to the show. If you really like it, please share it with a friend. That's the best way to help it grow. We have a wonderful Discord. It's uh, bit.ly slash TWG Discord. That link is in the show notes uh, because it's a weird one to remember and then type into a browser. Uh, so you can just go tap on that in the show notes of whatever podcast app you're listening in and join our community, which is very fun. Right now we have uh, an E3 like focused chat, which is great. I don't know. I mean, that might be defunct by the time you hear this episode now that I'm thinking about it, but uh, <laughs> I'll mention it yeah. anyway. So we're going to constantly add channels for cool things that happen like that. Yeah, we have a Twitter account. It's at Into the Cast, a Twitch account that's also at Into the Cast. And yeah, if you really like the show, I guess uh, giving it a review on Apple Podcasts does definitely help. That's all. That's all I got. That's it. Sometimes brevity is the soul of wit, said Corviknight to the moon. <laughs> For real, I second all of that. We really appreciate the support, and I hope you have a wonderful night. Yeah, please. Have a wonderful night. Have a wonderful night. It's nighttime now. It's nighttime always Give for Corviknight. <laughs> yeah, it's like, when will we arrive there? Nighttime. <laughs> <laughs> Corviknight, it's 9 a.m. Not for long. Nothing lasts. Um... <laughs> Anyway, speaking of that, goodbye. Goodbye, everyone. My name is Brendan Bigley. You can find me on the internet at Brendan Bigley. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm Stephen Hilger. If I'm Stephen Hilger, uh, have a great Corviknight. Goodbye. Have a great Corviknight. Corviknight is seven feet tall. TWG, the worst garbage dot online.